Wait a minute, 99. That gives me an idea. Shut up, dummy. I know nothing. Nothing. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're going back to stories about one of my favorite subjects, television. Yay, television! We all love television, right? We've talked about TV quite a bit, both on the stream and on the podcast, and we're going back for more TV today. What I'm going to do is divide the episode into two parts today. In the first part, I'm going to talk about some of the plots that I've seen over the years, again and again and again. It's almost like TV tropes. You've heard me talk about the tropes with our movies, like the parking spot that's always available in front of wherever the hero's going to. There's always a parking spot there. Those are the tropes. Today I'm going to talk about the plots, which is basically the entire premise of the episode. So it's not just one instance, it's the whole episode. And what they do with some of these episodes is make you crazy because you see them over and over and over again. Not necessarily in the same series, but because I've been watching TV for so many years, I've seen these things over and over again. So I wanted to throw them out there so that you could be aware of them and watch for them in your favorite series. Because you know what? They're going to come up. In the second part of the episode, I wanted to revisit our TV theme song thing. I don't know what to call it. I just play excerpts from my favorite theme songs from TV shows over the years. It's kind of like a name that tune kind of thing. I'm not going to play the whole theme song, but I'm going to give you a little flavor of some of the shows I've watched over the years. Just a little commentary about how they fit into my life and maybe they'll bring back memories to you too. So that's going to be in the second part of the episode today. But let's start with the plots. When I talk about these overused plots, I'm talking about the premise for an entire episode. For instance, the falsely accused plot. How many times have you seen our hero falsely accused of something? It doesn't happen in every series. It's usually a dramatic series. A police show, a private detective show, one of those shows where the hero is falsely accused. And by that I mean the hero's in the wrong place at the wrong time, finds the body, leaves his fingerprints on the scene, or some big villain is trying to frame our hero and plants evidence to make our hero look like the bad guy. There's always some consequence for our hero. Facing arrest, facing trial, facing execution... Sitting in a jail cell, they've been falsely accused of something. How many times have we seen that? And I'm going to tell you why the falsely accused premise bothers me. If we're watching a show called Castle, which is one of my favorite shows, and they falsely accuse Castle of something, we know he's going to clear his name by the end of the episode. Because he's Castle. So the falsely accused premise doesn't really work for me. Because I know that our hero's going to be okay. But how many times have you seen your hero falsely accused of something? Too many. Too many. Closely tied to the falsely accused premise, the mistaken identity premise. When done well, it works okay. But too many times it's just thrown in as a plot device because we've run out of things to do. Someone assumes the identity of our hero, or our hero is mistaken for somebody else and has to clear things up. This is a little different than the falsely accused because there's usually not any big consequences here. It's mostly just an annoyance. But the mistaken identity thing, the hero trying to get things straight, I don't usually like those plot points either because it's just an annoyance. It's a waste of my time. Give me a story. Don't give me a mistaken identity thing because how often does that happen, really? I mean, I know we're watching TV, but I like to be kind of close to reality. Like, this could happen often tied into this mistaken identity plot, the evil twin. Oh yeah, you've seen the evil twin, right? 
a fixture of soap operas when I was growing up, but it showed up in TV shows. Even Captain Kirk had an evil twin. Yes, there was a plot device that made him basically spawn his own evil twin through a transporter malfunction, but there was a good Kirk and a bad Kirk. And the bad Kirk did icky things, and the good Kirk got blamed for them. So you had the evil twin mixed in with a mistaken identity thing, and really tied in with a falsely accused thing. And going back to my, could this happen in real life? How many evil twins do we all have? As far as I know, I have exactly zero. So the evil twin thing just wears me out, let me tell you. The mistaken identity plot point also kind of leads to the let me be the bad guy plot point. And by let me be the bad guy, that's when mom or dad or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the husband or the wife or the brother or the si- somebody else takes the blame for the actual wrongdoer's wrongdoing. It's the mom not wanting her son to pay for his mistakes. So she steps up and says, I did it. I killed him. Or the older brother protecting the younger brother. He didn't do it. I stole the candy. And then we have to clear all that up. And that's the whole episode, trying to find out who really did the thing that the let me be the bad guy person is taking the blame for. It's one thing if it's a twist. If you're going to twist the plot at the end, okay, I can go with that. But if you're setting it up from the beginning and you're going to focus on clearing up the misunderstanding for the entire episode, don't do that. I'm tired of that. Here's another one I've seen over and over again over the years in different series. It's the fake documentary. Now, if you know the series The Office... They actually use the fake documentary as the entire premise of the series. And there it works. But when your series is doing a fake documentary, where the camera crew comes in to investigate whatever it is that your stars are doing in that particular series, for instance, in MASH, they had a fake documentary episode, and they have the footage look like it's been shot by a documentary crew, or Castle did a fake documentary. Many, many shows have done this fake documentary thing. To me, when they get to the fake documentary stage, they've run out of story ideas. I don't need the fake documentary. I don't find anything interesting about it. The other premise that shows they run out of ideas is when they do the flashback in time thing. And by that, I mean this. It's where the hero finds an old book or a box of old letters and starts reading whatever they are. Whatever story is depicted in those letters, whatever story is depicted in that book, the hero starts reading them. And then in the hero's mind, in his or her mind, all of the people in the book or in the letters are acted out by the stars of the show. So the lead might be a 1940s detective, and the friends might be his friends back in the 1940s. And they act out an entire plot from a book that our hero is reading in the present day as if it happened 50, 60, 70 years ago. I don't need that. It's one of those things that I just think is unnecessary. I don't need to see my hero playing a 1940s detective or a 1930s lounge singer or a 1920s ballet dancer. I don't need any of that. I want to watch Magnum because I want to see what Magnum is doing, not what Magnum pictures himself doing 70 years ago. It's been done and redone in series after series, and I'm just tired of it. The last one that I've had enough of, the build-up to the end where there's a big explosion, a big car crash, a plane is reported missing, whatever it is, and our hero is in the building, or in the car, or on the plane, and the episode ends. To be continued. And the question we're left with? Is our hero dead? Of course our hero is not dead. They don't kill off the hero. They don't call the show Castle and then kill Castle off. It doesn't happen that way. If you're going to do a series finale and leave the question hanging, okay, I'll go with that. If you want to leave your series ambiguous, if you want to leave that hanging, okay, I'm fine with that. 
But if you want to do it to be continued from week two to week three, we know he's coming back. So don't give me the Is Our Hero Dead episode until the show is over. I mean, literally over. You've been canceled or not renewed or you don't know if you're coming back. Leave it ambiguous. That's fine as the very last episode of the series. Short of that, don't do it because you're not building up any suspense when the lead character is named in the title, we know he's coming back. So stop it. Stop it. So those are the plot points I've grown to dislike over the course of my lifetime of watching TV. And it's a long life of watching TV, believe me. Over that lifetime of watching TV, I've also created a list of favorite theme songs. Okay, really, it's not a list. It's a mental checklist. Oh, yeah, I love that theme song. So what I've done today is put together some of those theme songs in yet another of my TV theme songs list. I've done this before. This is not the definitive list by any stretch. But I promised last season that I'd give you some more. So we're going to play a little Name That Tune today and see if you recognize any of these theme songs that are fixtures in my head. I'm going to start in the 60s and work my way up to the 90s because I've been watching shows for all of that time. Although, to be perfectly honest, the ones from the 60s I've watched in syndication, I wasn't watching them live. So this first one was a really cool show for Gamer Dude as a little kid. At least I thought it was really cool when I was like five. This is The Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. This show involved the adventures of the crew of the Sea View, which was a submarine that had really cool gadgets on it, including a flying little mini-sub that I vaguely remember, a great big window that opened out onto the ocean as they were traveling underwater. As an adult, I didn't remember a single plot about any of these episodes. I just remember the cool submarine. I remember one scene where the submarine broke through the surface of the water and flopped down. I remember the flying little thing that flew out of the submarine. I want to call it a mini-sub, but it actually flew, so was it a mini-sub, mini-plane? I don't remember. I just remember it was a thing. And I hadn't seen that show for literally decades. You can actually see episodes of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea on MeTV, and I've watched a few of them. Oh my god, is this a bad show. It's hard to believe that this was a primetime show, looking at some of the stuff that they had as far as special effects and plot points and mystery creatures and mystical things happening on a Navy sub, really? But boy, as a kid, I loved this show. Now this next one, one of my favorite theme songs of all time. Now, this is for a show called The Avengers, and it has nothing to do with Marvel. The Avengers were spies slash private investigators. John Steed and Mrs. Peel were the original two Avengers. Mrs. Peel was Diana Rigg, who was one of my all-time crushes when I was a kid. My mother loved this show, I think because it was British, and she liked the guy who played John Steed, who was Patrick McNee. I have to say that carefully. Patrick McNee. I can't even say it quickly. Go ahead, you try it. Patrick McNee. Patrick McNee. It doesn't work. But anyway, The Avengers was an awesome show. Cool spy stuff, interesting little plots, and unlike Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, the plot points, for the most part, mostly hold up. Mrs. Peel wasn't on it for all of the years that the show was on, and after that, the show wasn't quite the same for me. But boy, I loved that show when it was on. It was great. So those were a couple of shows from the 60s. 
the 70s, that was when I was watching the most TV. And there was a lot of shows on in the 70s that I loved. There was this one. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes, my cycle hums. Ready to race to you. Tuesday nights was always happy days night. My mother loved happy days. My father tolerated happy days, which was pretty big for him. He was not a huge sitcom fan, but happy days he watched. Richie, Joni, Potsy, the Fonz. That's where they all come from, Happy Days. From Happy Days, on Tuesdays right after Happy Days, there was this one. Happy Days actually spun off Laverne and Shirley. And Laverne and Shirley was a huge hit, too. I did not like Laverne and Shirley as much as I liked Happy Days. It was okay. We left it on. But it was a big hit. A bigger hit, though, was this one. MASH was huge. MASH dominated TV as a sitcom for 10 years. MASH means Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. It's based on a book, which turned into a movie, which spawned this TV show, which lasted five times longer than the actual Korean conflict did. And the finale of MASH was one of the highest rated TV shows ever. Everybody knew the show was ending. They did a finale the right way. They brought the series to a good conclusion. MASH was huge. Now, this one's from another popular 70s show. I didn't watch it all that much, but I watched it enough. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. The Dukes of Hazard. I didn't care about the Dukes at all, except for Daisy. Every guy loved Daisy Duke. You've heard the term Daisy Dukes when describing shorts? This is where they came from. Catherine Bach was the actress who originally played Daisy Duke. And I don't remember too much about Catherine Bach, except she looked really good in Daisy Duke shorts. And as a very young man at the time, I really appreciated that. Also in the 70s, one of the earliest gritty police shows ever. This is the theme from Hill Street Blues. Mike Post did this one. I talked about Mike Post a lot in the first episode I did on TV episodes. This is another one of the many, many theme songs he did, and this is such a good theme. Hill Street Blues, set in a fictional city of no specific name, although many people thought it was either Philadelphia or Chicago. It had all kinds of gritty realism in it, continuing storylines that spanned many episodes. It was a really well-done, well-written show. Some very annoying characters in it, of course, but some really compelling stories and some really compelling characters in there as well. 
If you've never seen Hill Street Blues, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a little slower paced by today's standards than we're used to, but if you're willing to sit it out, it develops nicely. In contrast, while I loved this show... Charlie's Angels was great fun to watch, again for a teenage boy. But as far as gritty realism, mm, not so much. Charlie's Angels has been made into several movies over the years, but nothing has ever matched whatever chemistry they had, for me anyway, as what they had in the original Charlie's Angels TV show. Now, everybody liked Farrah Fawcett. A lot of people liked Jacqueline Smith. My favorite angel was always Kate Jackson. I loved Kate Jackson. I liked her because she was smart. I liked her because she was no-nonsense. And for me, the hottest angel. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Farrah Fawcett or Jacqueline Smith. I thought they were beautiful too. But for teenage me, Kate Jackson was the ultimate girl. Mrs. Gamer Dude never liked Kate Jackson when she was a kid. She was the Farrah Fawcett fan. Everybody wanted Farrah's hair. I didn't worry about Farrah's hair. I liked Kate Jackson's personality. I liked the person that she was. I thought she was cool. As far as the plots in Charlie's Angels, though, (laughs) don't ever watch the show for the drama or the writing. It was not a show you watched for the drama or the writing. It just wasn't. There's one other show from the 70s that I wanted to mention, too. Now, this is a very obscure show, and it's obscure because it only lasted one season. But despite the fact that it only lasted one season, the theme song stuck in my head. Here it is. This is the theme for a show called The Magician. It starred Bill Bixby. It was on in the 70s. And I think that it stuck in my head because I was a trumpet player at the time. And that's a brilliant trumpet solo at the beginning. And it just stuck in my head somehow. Probably because the trumpet solo sounded so cool to me. I loved the sound of that. The plot of The Magician was there's a magician who solves crimes, because that happens. I don't remember a single thing about a single episode, I just remember two things about the show. Number one, the theme song was awesome, and number two, the magician drove a white Corvette. So not only did I fall in love with the theme song, but I fell in love with Corvettes. Being a car guy, the magician was my intro to Corvettes. What a cool looking car. A white Corvette with a personalized license plate. The personalized license plate said, Spirit. Ooh, how cool was that? The magician with a spirit license plate? Awesome. Yeah, that played right into my preteen fantasies. Now here's a couple of songs from the 80s. This has to be one of the definitive theme songs from the 1980s. Miami Vice was huge. It exemplified a lifestyle, an attitude. There was just something about Miami Vice that everybody gravitated towards. And every Friday night, when Miami Vice took to the airwaves, people would watch the crap out of that. Crockett and Tubbs, the undercover detectives, the pastel colors, the drug dealing, the hot cars, the hot women. I didn't watch a lot of it because I was, you know, going out on Friday nights. But when I wasn't going out, it was a good come home to show. Now, this next one from the 80s is technically in the 80s because it premiered in 1989. 
I always thought of it as a 90s show, but I looked it up to make sure. It did premiere in 1989. Quantum Leap was about a scientist who developed a machine where you could travel in time, but only during the period of your lifetime. And what would happen is he would jump into other people's lives that occurred during the course of his lifetime, and he would have to solve whatever problem they were facing at the time that he jumped into their lives. It sounds a little convoluted. It really worked well. And he jumped into a lot of scenarios. He was a woman sometimes. He was black sometimes. He was old sometimes. He faced all different kinds of things and issues And by doing so, he brought some of these things and issues to the forefront and people actually had to confront them. Things like racism and sexism. And they did a good job presenting it. So if you've never seen Quantum Leap, it's definitely worth taking some time to watch it. You'll know this one. Who doesn't know The Simpsons? And The Simpsons is technically an 80s show because it premiered in December of 1989. Okay, that barely makes the cut, I know. But still, I want to be accurate. The Simpsons has been around for 30 years. Can you believe that? That's amazing to me. But The Simpsons, an iconic show. Another iconic show? You'll know probably from the first few notes. Seinfeld, also technically an 80s show, it also premiered in 1989. And people love Seinfeld. I liked Seinfeld. I liked a lot of the characters. I liked Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up long before he was on TV. And the show, for the most part, holds up. For me, though, Seinfeld lost something towards the end, and they really dropped the ball with their series finale. I just thought the finale was stupid. They had some great moments in Seinfeld. But the notes of this theme song, as soon as you hear those first few notes, you know exactly what show we're talking about. Now this next one, a quintessential 1990s show. Beverly Hills 90210 was huge when it came out. I did not watch it. I was not a 90210 fan. I didn't care about 90210. Until, that is, I met Mrs. Gamerdude. She loved this show. We have all of the seasons on DVD, and so now, of course, I'm quite familiar with Beverly Hills 90210. But more importantly, I'm really familiar with the theme song. And when you listen to this song, it's catchy, it's strong, it sets the mood for the show. And I gotta say, it's an iconic TV theme song, so I had to include it on the list. Now, the last one on my list today, also a 1990s iconic TV show, and one of my favorite shows of all time.
NYPD Blue debuted in 1993, and it was such a good show. It was another one of those gritty, true-to-life, realistic cop shows with stories spanning episodes and characters you would grow to love or hate as the series developed. It was really well done, really well acted, really great characters, really great storylines. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. The show went on for 12 seasons. For the most part, all 12 seasons were really good. One of the exceptions to my five-season rule, which we've talked about, for those new to the podcast, most series only are good for five seasons. After that, forget about it. The quality goes downhill. NYPD Blue is an exception because they had so many cast changes over the years. They would keep shuffling people in and out for various reasons, so you always had a different set of characters over the course of those 12 years, which made the show more enjoyable over those 12 years. Things changed, people changed, stories changed. And that's how you keep a series alive. Now, yeah, there's some issues with some of the characters and some of the plots, but that's true with any series. For the most part, it holds up really well. But if you've never watched NYPD Blue, start at the beginning. Start Season 1, Episode 1, and watch. I don't want to spoil anything, like I said, but there's some stuff that develops in this show over the course of the first four seasons, which blows your mind. They have great little individual stories and then great overarching stories that span the seasons, not just the episodes. NYPD Blue still holds up. The pacing is good. The storytelling is good. The acting is good. The writing is good. It's a really good show. That, of course, is not the definitive list of songs. That's just another sampling of the songs that I've enjoyed over the years. I've got plenty more, believe me. And don't worry, we'll do another episode. People like these music episodes, and I thank you for listening to them. Believe me, there's a lot of music out there that I love, so we'll touch on that in future episodes as well. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for taking your time to be here with me. I can't thank you enough for all of the time that you spend here. I truly appreciate it. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.